Osiris. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. For the radio audience, please tell us who you are, where you are, and what you try to do. Hey, I'm Jim Lauderdale. I try to go out there and do as good of a show as I can and uh, write as good a song as I can. Grins, laughs, and everything is so fine. We want to keep them that way for a while. I'm in Nashville. Yeah, I, I moved here oh, 26 or 7 years ago. God, you put out close to 40 records at this point, right? Well, 30 for 35. Let's just round five. up. Let's round up, Jim. Okay. Okay. But I think with collaborations probably, uh compilations. No, no, but well, but yeah, maybe. Okay, yeah. All right. When you have been around this long and a new song comes into your brain do you have to file away all of your previous work can you use your own work as a reference as in can you forget all your previous work when you're writing or are you trying to create something new every time i try to create something new usually you know every once in a while i will uh, be on to some song and then i go ah you know and i'll be thinking hey that kind of sounds familiar yeah so i try to keep uh moving forward to make the music that you're hearing to hear it all won't carry you away someday when finally things are back to normal but what is normal these days you can say i hope your hopes will come through while you're waiting and you'll have that kind of life that kind of day Well, hello again, everybody. You're listening to The Show on the Road. As always, I'm your host, Zach Lupitan, and this week I am far, far out on the road, uh, taking a little rest and relaxation on the island of Kauai. Yes, I'm looking at some palm trees swaying in the breeze. Um, If you hear some chickens, um, some roosters, rather, uh, they're going to be crowing behind me as I introduce this week's guest, the one and only Jim Lauderdale. Yes, the man from the Carolinas will be joining me, um, and I'm really excited to be playing some more music with him. Uh, we'll talk about this later in the show, but uh, my group Dust Bowl Revival and Jim will be teaming up for the Origins of Americana Tour, which we uh, tried out in California, and we're going to be bringing to the Temple Theater in Viroqua, Wisconsin, November 12th. Now, maybe you're not familiar with Jim Lauderdale's music yet, but he's been lurking in plain sight for over 30 years, writing classic country songs for George Strait, Patti Loveless, George Jones, Mark Chestnut, Vince Gill, and many more. And uh, his new record, Game Changer, is so fun. I keep singing it to myself, even here with the roosters looking out on the ocean in Kauai. In many ways, Jim is kind of like a songwriter role model for me. 25 years from now, I hope I'm out there wearing purple suits and writing songs that really fit in no genre, but that people cram halls to see anyway. I can't wait to sing with him soon in Wisconsin, but here he is now, Jim Lauderdale. So Game Changer is coming out as we speak now. And um, I was really loving the song Friends Again. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but as I've gone through your work these last few days, um, I sense uh, maybe 
a undercurrent, a uh, deep referencing of like Roy Orbison in some of this work in, in the way you bring a theatrical punch oh. to your vocals while centering it in classic rock and roll and country. But I think you have a little bit more of a, uh, <laughs> a showman bone that's showing in some of these, you know, where you kind of go way up and then the guitar is echoing you in this old school, almost traveling Wilburys vibe, like which I got off of this Friends Again <clears throat> track. And, and wait a second, you said correct you if you're wrong. Yeah, am I wrong? Well, you're wrong. You are dead wrong. And this interview is over. <laughs> yeah. No, <clears throat> I'm kidding. You know, I had not, um, I had not thought of Roy. I'm certainly a big fan, but uh, but I'll take that. That's a nice. Um, way to describe that no i think maybe you share uh, no, a, i know that i know share a yes. um a theatrical I, I, country backbone yes yes yeah and i'm kidding about that yeah i could see that something missing has been found i'm happy that again. even off of your debut solo album planet of love let's go way back 1991 sure maybe i was listening to this as a six-year-old in chicago you know who knows that's about how old i was when i uh wrote this uh recorded it if you can drop yourself into the song maybe maybe you haven't heard that song in a long time but again i feel there's this british invasion kind of twangy guitar uh yes beatles vibe with that Roy Orbison, like operatic hot yes. country yes. Um, lilt, which I love. Yes, and and I'll tell you, yes, and so a few things about that song. Um, one is any of those guitar things, and just so much of that song was my co-writer and and. He co-produced the album with Rodney Crowell, and that is John Leventhal, mm -hmm. who I had met in New York back when I met Buddy Miller back in 1980 okay. when we were living up there. But John and I started writing, uh, gosh, about 1987. And I, start, I was living in Los Angeles up in Beechwood Canyon. And would make these pilgrimages to New York after John and I got together in L.A. and wrote a song uh, uh, that that when our album came out, uh, it didn't do much, unfortunately, on country radio. But, um, for instance, uh, George Strait cut the, the first song John and I wrote and then another song off of the record. And... Uh, but John was just blowing me away with his guitar ideas, tones, just all of his musical ideas. And so, but you're right. And I'll tell you, speaking of Roy Orbison, though, now that one is a song for sure. Like if, if, to pitch songs to people, be like, oh my gosh, let's pitch this to Roy Orbison. So you're born in North Carolina, but then you kind of grew up in uh, South Carolina, right? Yeah, I moved there as a teenager. I was 13 to 16, and then I went back 
to North Carolina and finished high school and went to college there. Due West, South Carolina. That sounds like a book title. It, it, you know what? It's a it's a really small town, a very sweet, wonderful town. Now my, it's a college town. Erskine College is there. My parents both went there. My sister went there. My grandfather went there. All my aunts and all, I think I was the one of just four or five cousins of a lot of cousins that didn't go there. But um, it was it was a a great place to you know spend part of my youth. And then my parents stayed there uh, until they passed away. So I'd go there a whole lot through the years. And uh, yeah, I love the Carolinas very much. North Carolina, uh, my birthplace, I go there a whole lot. And both your parents sang, right? And your dad was a, a minister, they, your mom yeah, taught piano. Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah, they both had great voices. But my mom, you know, taught chorus in, in high school and, and choir and all this stuff. She was just a great, beautiful singer. And my dad could sing baritone or tenor really well. If you could put both your parents on a Jim Lauderdale song, like anywhere from your catalog, what would you add them in to? Like which song? Boy. You know what? That's an interesting question. As like your never, ultimate background singers. You know, I, um, gosh. Oh, okay. Well, there's a, a, a song I wrote for Ralph Stanley and the Clinch Mountain Boys and I had a record called Zykeus. Mm. And there's this cool bass part in there. I can hear my dad doing that. Come on down. Come on down. Come on down. You know, I could hear, oh, there's a song on the new record um, uh, I wrote with Farron, Rachel's, and James Slater called Our Happy Hour is Almost Over. Mm. And I could hear her doing the piano part and then the uh, uh, some of these harmonies in there. Yeah, she could do that. Yeah, I was listening to Our Happy Hour right as uh, we started this call and it, it felt like something that'd be played like at a prom in the south like in the in the 70s like a slow dance romantic kind of yeah you know uh yes lights go down low everyone's kind of real close you know somewhere in yeah. alabama <laughs> yeah <laughs> no matter how hard you try When you when you've written songs for you know country greats, George Strait, Vince Gill, George Jones, do you have to visualize them as you're writing, or do you visualize yourself first and then sort of hand it off? Well, you know, interestingly enough, a lot of the times when I would write with somebody in mind and then pitch it to them. They they wouldn't record those. Hmm. Even if it was like, oh my gosh, this, you know, and I would do the demo, you know, trying to sound like that person sometime. And, and just thinking in my head, it's like, oh, this is perfect for so-and-so. And this sounds like a hit, you know? And then nine times out of 10, they wouldn't record them, but they would record the songs I wouldn't necessarily expect them to. It's kind of funny how how that worked. Is it true that George Strait recorded 15 of your numbers? That's right, 15. And he's going back in uh, this year later on. So hopefully we'll make it 16, 17, or 18 on this next record. We'll see. You never know. I don't take anything for granted. Is there one of them that is most special to you that he chose? Um, I 
love all of them he did um the one that really kind of kicked the doors open for me was the song king of broken hearts that i wrote as a tribute to graham parsons and george jones and it was on my record planet of love and he uh his producer tony brown uh cut this song i wrote with john leventhal where the sidewalk ends our first song and king of broken hearts and that totally um made the years of struggling and trying to get something going and then dealing with the disappointment of my record planet of love not doing anything at country radio when he recorded those it was like okay this, this is great he talks to angels and the stars start to spin he thinks the troubles that he's gotten in he recalls how his heart got broken how it's still that way the king of broken hearts is so sad He's the king of broken hearts. I'm, I have him to thank, really, for, for my independent recording career that came after some major label deals. So when you leave the Carolinas, you go to college, and then you actually end up in New York, right? So you're, you actually did a, a touring production of Pump Boys and Dinettes. Um, That's right. What... What was that like? And did could you ever see yourself putting on the Jim Lauderdale Broadway experience? Would that be something um, you'd be open to writing? It's funny you should mention that. Uh, I'm looking for some backers. Any right day now. now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. But um, uh, enjoyed doing. Um, I did three of them. To, they were like my night day job as I was uh. trying to get record deals and saw Pump Boys and Diamonds. Before that was a show called Cotton Patch Gospel. And that was a bluegrass uh, musical, bluegrass and old timey musical. Pump Boys was kind of like a country folk rock type musical. And then uh, one where I played Jesse James and Sean Colvin played my wife. Wow. Uh, was called Diamond Studs. And that was the one that I really thought, okay, when this gets to New York or LA, record deal, here I come. And uh, but it didn't make it to either place. But I I learned so much being in all these shows. And it's like I was saying, it was a, it was my day job, but it was a great job to have you know i was able to pay my bills and have demo making money off of that which i believe me i spent anything that wasn't going into rent or transportation went into making demos because i was just very focused on trying to have a recording career but um yeah so th those were uh, uh oh but, and, but getting back to your question can i ever see it actually had mentioned to Robert Hunter, who I was lucky enough to get to write a lot with, I'm, I kind of hinted around that I'd like to do something. And I was wondering if he knew of someone who could write, because we had the songs. We we wrote about a hundred songs. Picture this, if you will, a song like Vampire Girl that you did with Buddy Miller. Like the psychedelic, bizarre world that you create in that song feels like it should be like on the stage, like a Phantom of the Opera backdrop, oh. you know, with like oh. a spaghetti Western band behind them. <laughs> Interesting. That's a great, uh, that's a great idea. 
You know, it's funny, that song, and I hadn't thought of that one in a long time. Um, when Buddy and I were, and, and a lot of times, I mean, song ideas, of course, will come just various times, but it really helps me to um, have an album in my head uh-huh. of what I want to do. And so then it's, I... I need to make those songs. And so that, that title came to me and the chorus and I had these guitar riffs and everything. And I was gonna, and I was just getting ready to present it to Buddy Miller as we were about to record our record. And I couldn't find, you know, anywhere in my files of that melody. So I had uh-huh. to start, I just try to remember, but it was different than what I originally imagined. But, uh, um, but hey, that's a good idea for some, somebody that wants to make a lot of dough to put <laughs> that song in. That song is like alternate reality man-eater hollow notes or something. <laughs> Something that you do so well, obviously, is um, harmonize and and create songs with others um, where especially female harmonies, I think, really work with your songs. Um, uh, Lightning Love, which is off the new record, is also a favorite of mine. Um, Oh, thanks. You know, very sweet, but very, uh, you know, there's a lot of kind of melancholy pain like in the back of these songs, if you look a little uh-huh. deeper, um, and the sort of ache of the two voices together really, I think, shines on that. Can you tell me a little more about that one? I will. I, and, and that one um, I wrote with my friend O.D. Blackman. Mm-hmm. And I had sent him the first melody a long time ago, and I thought, hey, this is something we could write for George Strait. And then as I was doing uh, sessions of, for what became this album, uh, Coming Up Game Changer, I, I got a hold of Odie and, um, uh, and, and I got used to, at first I resisted the thought of Zoom calls or you know doing anything distantly writing-wise. And then I started doing these Zoom calls rights and they turned out just fine you know and so i called Odie and i said listen i've got i'm going in in a couple of days remember that melody and he found mm-hmm. it and, and so we just uh sat on our speaker phone i guess and 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 fleshed the rest of that out and uh he's he's a great writer i really enjoy writing He's he's just fantastic. Way down inside, sparks always fly. That's how we're living. The birds and bees handed us the keys that drove us kissing. singing on that who sings harmonies on that and my last three electric albums 
before this one is uh, Lily May Rishi. Mm-hmm. And Lily May uh, is just, and, and her, her brother Frank is not singing on that song, but he sings uh, harmony with her on, on most of my stuff. Uh, it, really, any of these uh, electric albums over, you know, these last four of them, that's them. And Lily, May, and Frank, I first saw them playing in the lobby of this convention hotel in Nashville for this bluegrass kind of conference thing. It must have been about 14 years ago. And Lily May was just a little just a little girl. Mm. But she was this incredible fiddle player. And her brother, Frank, was this great guitar player. <clears throat> and it was a real dream of mine. I had wanted to produce them, but that didn't ever come to be. Um, but and and Lily May did a couple of albums on uh, Third Man Records. Jack mm. White produced the first one, and Dave Cobb produced the second one. And she is her voice is just amazing. Her solo stuff and great writer, and she's a great fiddle player just all around great musicians. So we have just, you know, it, it's so great when you, you know, this, when you, you know, find somebody that you just click right. so well with the saying, and I really, um, I'm actually wanting to, I don't know if it'll happen or not, but write stuff for and with Lily May and Frank and do kind of a side project group out of that. Just, just so I can be on stage more with them. We've written also for some amazing uh, female artists like uh, the chicks and Leanne Romack. Is there someone that you'd love to collaborate um, with that you haven't yet? Uh, A lady singer that you maybe you could do a duet Um, with? Gosh, you know, I uh, uh, I haven't seen her in a long time. The last time I saw her was for this Graham Parsons tribute uh, we did several years ago. And there's a video of it out, our DVD called uh, um, uh, Return to Sin City. It's this tribute to Graham. And, and I got to sing harmony with Keith Richards, which was one of wow. the big highlights of my life. And um, but Nora Jones, I'd mm. really love to uh, to do something with her sometime. Um, I've gotten to sing with Lucinda a whole lot. I used to sing on her records, and I'd love to do more of that. Uh, Amy Lou Harris, I love singing with her. Um, so and it's going to hit me too. Uh, you know, Cheryl Crow, I've always wanted to. Mm-hmm. Sing with her, you know, sadly, and Mavis Staples, um, Shamika Copeland. There's just so many great singers. When you look back at your career, um, you know, do you do you think that there's decisions that um, you made that really changed everything? Um, was there? Did you have to accept um, sort of your role in the in the in sort of the music pantheon? You know, not everybody's going to be. Uh, George Strait or uh, the Rolling right. Stones, you know, I think you have an interesting um, place in that uh, you're revered, you are uh, clearly respected, but you are still almost, uh, as you describe yourself, an emerging artist, right? Right. Like people are That's still discovering you now, you know, and yeah. uh, that can be 
probably hard to deal with at times where you're like, well, why can't I just, uh, you know, be at the top of every bill when I've played the Grand Ole Opry 250 sure. times. Um, but does it keep you hungry and hustling? Is there something to that? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's the the thing. And I, I, I remember when I did get my first record deal finally, and then the record got made by Pete Anderson, Dwight Yoakam's producer, this incredible guitar player and producer. And Pete was like, we've got seven smash hits on this record. And then <laughs> the label I was with, Epic Records, you know, didn't want to put it out. Right. You know, they, they half-heartedly did a single. And so that, when I was thinking about it then, I and I just wasn't, which which maybe a lot of people aren't when they make their first record, but I felt really deep down inside I wasn't ready. Uh-huh. And, you know, I wasn't really formed. And then Planet of Love, when that came along, I thought, listen, these songs I got to write with John Leventhal and this production of John and Rodney Crowell, this is it. This is what I've been waiting for all of these 34 years mm-hmm. and and then nothing happened with that commercially and it started to get to me and then uh they kind of half-heartedly i didn't they didn't say well, look sorry this one didn't take off let's do another one though let's do it. you know and so i i developed a mindset though I, I was pretty down about it but i thought hey in order to get out of this funk i'm in i've got to write myself out of it mm-hmm. you know i i'm responsible here i can't blame this label or this person or that person for not getting me there i've got to get myself there mm. by the music and so that through the years, you know, I just, it, it was hard for me sometimes to focus on certain things or have a plan. You know, I, I would have certain goals or certain dreams, but I wouldn't really know how to get there. Right. And I still don't, I still don't, but I just keep thinking it's like, and because I didn't have huge success earlier, I'm still, uh, I feel like I still am kind of uh, an emerging artist, like you're saying, you know, it's, it's, and I feel, uh, you know, when I go out there on the road or whatever, I just don't take anything for granted Mm -hmm. uh, audience wise or how it's going to be. And but I just I I just love making records so much, and that really kind of takes everything out of me right. when I'm when I'm doing them. But I just feel like then it's a real that's a real dream to get to make records, and it's what I've wanted to do for so long. So um, that motivates me, and I don't want to just stop and go, "Hey, this is." this is too, you know, stressful or frustrating or whatever, trying to finish these songs and make them, you know, what I want them to be. But it's, it's just, you know, it's what I do. When you call a record game changer, like this new one is called, it puts to mind that you're trying to set something in motion here, right? right. Um, yeah. What is this next chapter of Jim Lauderdale? And what does this album signify for you, you think? Um, I think, I feel like um, I want to be more productive with songs now, going forward, at least for several years, more than I ever have. You know, I've got a bunch of different projects. I, I'm, I'm, I had, I won't call it Game Changer Part Two, but I had uh, uh, that done 
really. And there is, you know, this album there. But then in the meantime, I, I started Game Changer before the pandemic. And then when the pandemic started happening after, like so many other people, finally, you know, felt like I could do something. I started writing again and did this record called Hope. And, um, and so I put Game Changer on hold and then I started recording again after Hope and during the pandemic. And, and so I added, I, I replaced some of the Game Changer songs with newer ones. And now I've got this whole other batch that I haven't quite finished, but I'd like for this next, this continuation of Game Changer to uh, be some of these newer songs and a few of the older ones. But um, I've got several bluegrass uh, projects I'm working on. And uh, I want to do this recording with Frank and Lily May. And um, oh, I wrote a record with Steve Poltz, uh, a friend of mine, a great singer songwriter. So we will, we're going to think of some band name and and put that out and so i just uh i want to be as productive as i can musically but still keep a uh keep grounded Game changer, making sense i've been waiting my whole life for you As a new dad, um, I was listening to that song, um, the uh, that kind of life, that kind of day, kind of made uh, me laugh about you know <laughs> kids growing up and and yeah. trying to retain that hope and 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 keep their dreams alive. There's a lot of us, you know, we have a lot of uh, big goals, you know. Uh, and when you're a young musician, you think, well, you know, by the time I'm 30 or 40, you know, I'll be uh, making retired, yeah, millions and or, all have or, hits. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and as I look at my daughter, I'm just like, man, I don't even know what her dreams are going to be. She might want to be a surgeon. Yeah. She might want to be, right. uh, you know, a soccer player. I don't even know. You know, when you were a little kid, and I know you started playing drums first. I think when you're a kid, what did you think you were going to be? Do you remember? I. Uh... I was thinking, well, I can't decide. I either want to be a magician okay. uh, or an astronaut or uh, the president or a preacher. That was like <laughs> as a kid. and But I didn't think about music until uh, I was probably about 14 or 15. Then I started. I got out of the astronaut phase. <laughs> yeah. If you could play any song from your repertoire on the space station, they throw a, a festival on the International Space Station before they blow it up because I think they're going to end it soon. It's a big farewell party. Jim Lauderdale is headlining. You open with which song in space? Um, I think I'd do this ballad that I, I finished over in scotland right before i did this record in the uk with nick lowe's band okay called i i love you more is that um, out somewhere yet or not yet that is that is on um a record called london southern okay i love you more i love you more than you could know I love you more 
And I can show I'm overwhelmed But I can't tell I love you more Than I let on I'm going to go back real quick to that uh, record you did with Ralph Stanley. Um, I feel like singing today from 1999 because there's something about his delivery that feels like he's from another planet. Like he's exactly he's like harnessing some sort of energy from way back in time. Um, And that song, uh, Another Sinner's Prayer, where you're holding that bend. Right. I mean, I guess you could. You know, it's the definition of the high lonesome sound. But like, yeah, when you sang with him, did you feel some sort of weird otherworldly energy coming oh, from him? My gosh, yes. I mean, he uh, and there, there's a uh, great uh, musician and singer songwriter Tim O'Brien, who, when he describes Ralph, he says he he sounded ancient when he was a teenager. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, he just there is this otherworldly quality that he had in his voice. And the younger Ralph, when he was in this group with his brother, the Stanley brothers, it was still just this great, sometimes haunting, mysterious voice that uh, as he got older, it just, you know, multiplied so many times. He, uh, yeah, he, he, it was magic. You know, there's a few singers that we've had in history that just had these, you know, such compelling voices that transcended genres. And right. He was definitely one of them. It's just another sinner's prayer. Never is too late to hear. It's just another sinner's prayer. He'll answer. I don't know which breath will be my last. I'm so haunted by the past. Take me by my trembling hand. Guide me to the promised land. To live or die. Forgive me, Christ. Accept my life. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. It's just another sinner's prayer. Never is too late to hear. It's just another sinner's prayer. He'll answer. Have you seen anyone from your past, your family, maybe someone you've worked with? Have you ever seen a spirit version of them sort of on stage with you or, or when you're writing something like, like maybe they're with you when you're writing or, or singing? I, I have felt, you know, presences before. Yeah. Like that with family and um, Robert, um, Harlan Howard. Uh, there's a fella I used to write with a lot named Frank Dykus. Um, sometimes George Jones's uh, spirit and Ralph Stanley's. Now, when it says on this piece of paper that you've toured with Johnny Cash, Merle Haggard, and Hootie and the Blowfish, among others, is there a tour that you remember as being particularly insane and, and memorable, like something that is unlike anything you've ever experienced? Um. Well, I think I was, when I was touring with Nick Lowe, opening up for him, I don't know. I just, I really felt like um, it was a great rite of passage because he'd been such a favorite of mine when I was younger with his group Rock Pile, which is one of the all-time great rock bands, and his solo records and that's producing with Elvis Costello and people um, that was this great stepping stone touring with Lucinda was really 
great too because her that car wheels album just really uh that's such a great album and you could just the audience loved her so much love her still and love that record so much and uh Elvis Costello um he you know also the the songs my god and we were doing them acoustically with a kind of a bluegrass band without a banjo player mm. these incredible musicians and his songs his older songs were still translating so well even with that instrumentation you know the song still came across it didn't have to be with with uh you know a rock in a rock setting and um but uh those those really stand out a lot yeah last song i'm going to ask you about from the new record uh game changer is that uh tune i'll keep my heart open for you um now when you sing that song let's say you imagine someone from your past maybe your present there's been a lot of time where maybe you've had love affairs relationships come and go do you imagine someone specifically when you're singing that heartfelt song or is it sort of a a, a fantasy love um I think that with that one, and I got to write that one with a wonderful young songwriter named Sarah Duguay, and um, several times our songs have come from something she would say, uh-huh. and and then we'd both be like, "Hey, wait a minute, that's a song right there." So she she would say, "I think I was driving." And we were talking, and she said, uh, "I said, okay, Sarah. Well, listen, I'll talk to you. And let you know, there, there's nothing romantic between us. But she was being sweet, and she said, and I was like, all right, listen, I'll talk to you. You know, next week, you take care of whatever. She said, all right, I'll keep my heart open for you, or I'll keep my heart open for <laughs> yeah. you, or whatever. And that was yeah. like, oh my gosh. So I pulled up the." Uh, memo recording yeah. app on my phone and sang this melody and then uh, with the I'll keep my heart open for you and then she you know pretty much just filled in the rest of the lyrics and it was just just right what she did and I, I love it when those uh, collaborations happen like that you know but but in answer to your question I think it's more um yeah I'm I'm uh, uh and and hey I've only done the song I think twice live so mm. far I haven't started the um you know the kind of full on thing with this record yet so uh, um I'll see what happens with that It would be remiss of me not to plug a couple shows that are going to be coming up 
Dust Bowl Revival will be teaming up with Jim Lauderdale on uh, these sort of combo shows called The Origins of Americana, something that I uh, came up with at the top of my head uh, a couple nice. months ago. And I was like, you know, if anyone could pinpoint what the origins of Americana is, it's probably Jim Lauderdale, since like us, you throw genre to the wind and right. just right from the heart. <laughs> and, you know, Americana can mean so many things at this point, but I think for me, yeah. it's, it means the umbrella of American music that does not get the pop uh, attention, but probably deserves to, you know, soul, yeah. blues, country music, uh, folk music, gospel music, funk music you know and we kind of bring a lot of that together you've probably done a little bit of all of that in your career um <laughs> what do you think we should do for that show which songs should we uh play to show people what americana really is um well hey one we've got to do is the song i wrote with robert hunter called headed for the hills okay and and it's and it's also a great sing-along for the audience on that got chorus it. so we've we've got to do that one i need to start thinking about i know that. me too i mean we have these songs from the band that we often cover which the irony is that maybe the greatest americana band is a canadian band but That's i think right, they symbolize <laughs> for me what the ideal the platonic ideal of americana is yeah this sort of soulful twangy rock and roll goodness you know yes um, yeah it's referencing african-american music it's referencing uh you know high lonesome sound i mean you have all sorts of things coming together there it, it really that we they need covered the whole yeah um yeah maybe a lucinda, a, maybe a lucinda song you know we could probably yes. you know um world without tears is probably a top 10 desert island album for me yeah um yeah you know i think that you know you have some unique relationships that you've had with uh these folks um so i think we'll be leaning on you to maybe guide us to okay. you know, which collaborations we can maybe bring forth for those shows i think we're playing a show in wisconsin later in the year wisconsin. Also doing this. yeah that's right we are i'm gonna look, be looking that up as we're talking that's gonna be fun too if these performing arts centers knew what they were uh, in for, they would book an entire tour of this combo because it's going to be really tasty. Just imagine yeah, I, trumpet I, yeah. and trombone on your songs, Jim. It's going to feel real That's nice right. in the background. Yeah, exactly. Well, there's uh, several kind of soul songs that would be great mm -hmm. that, that I've uh, recorded with horns. That's going to be, that'll be perfect. For that and yes we are going to be on uh saturday the 12th of november and in wisconsin and i believe i'm pronouncing this right do you are you going to take a stab at it viroqua 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 i know wisconsin. viroqua because one of my good friends who i grew up with in chicago is now a chef in Viroqua, Wisconsin. So she's been getting us to, she's been trying to get us to play at that theater, the Tower Theater, for like five years. And I'm like, hey, it's actually happening. <laughs> That's great. Hey, we're going to eat good that. Oh, yeah. Aren't we? Well, I always say that, you know, when you've been in a band over 10 years <clears throat> and folks keep following along with our weird Dust Bowl revival escapades, I was like, if you wait long enough, we'll probably end up in your town, <laughs> whether you want it or not, you know. I don't know if, if you go through this too. Sometimes when you're out there and it's like, okay, all right, this is it. I mean, this is crazy. <laughs> I can't, I can't go to bed at two after a gig and then get up and drive for two hours at four o'clock and get on this flight and then change flights twice and then drive two hours and get there hopefully in time for sound. I can't do it. And then you end up doing it, and then that ends up being one of your favorite gigs. If you were to plan your own festival, it could be anywhere in the world. Where would it be? And you could book five acts 
from history, dead or alive, who would they be and go? Um, I would shoot. It'd be a toss up. There's so many states I love to play in. So I'm going to, I'll pass on it for now. Come back. But let's see five bands. Well, I would, I would have a Beatles reunion. Okay. I'd have the, uh, Exile on Main Street era Rolling Stones. Heavy hitters. Got I'd it. have I'd have George Jones, Otis Redding, and Graham Parsons with Emmy Lou Harris. Feel like you maybe have thought about this in the past. That was like a very no, instantaneous. This no, was like a beautifully no. immediate response. Most people think like think about it for 10 minutes and can't come up with who they I, want. See, I usually would have to. I have not <laughs> thought about it in the past, but uh, I didn't want to keep, you know. All right, where's it going to be? What's the location of this amazing festival? Boy, um, I would say uh, maybe the North Carolina mountains, not far from Asheville. Okay. Yeah. See you there. Okay. Yeah. All right, folks, Jim Lauderdale, the man, the legend. All right, man. Well, thank you for doing this. It means a lot. And uh, thank we'll you. September. Same here. Yeah. Thanks. Let's talk. Be careful what you wish for, cause it might come true. Say it just might happen before it's all through. Keep dreaming for a better world. Now that's planned. It sounds good to me. Have you heard of that? Yeah, I've heard of that. I've heard of that. Still a bright idea that somebody had. I've heard of that. I've heard of that. Echoes on the walls and now it's bouncing back. There he goes now, Mr. Americana himself, Jim Lauderdale, everybody. His newest record is called Game Changer out on Sky Crunch Records. Thank you for bearing with us on the sound quality of this episode. Sometimes when you uh, dial cross-country, uh, the sound quality, not the greatest. But I'm so glad I was able to talk to him about his crazy career. And um, as we mentioned uh, in this episode, November 12th at the Temple Theater in Verroqua, Wisconsin, uh, make a pilgrimage to see the Origins of Americana Tour, Dust Bowl Revival. And Jim, uh, we're going to be singing some Lucinda Williams. Uh, the horns will be playing on Jim's songs. He's going to be singing on some of our stuff. Uh, it's really fun. We tried it out in California, and it was a hit. You can go to jimlauderdalemusic.com for his uh, upcoming tour dates. He's playing the Outlaw Country West Festival with Lucinda, Steve Earle, Social Distortion, and more. Uh, that is in L.A. And uh, November 9th, Shank Hall in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. November 10th, Hook and Ladder Theater and Lounge in Minneapolis and many more. Uh, Jim never slows down, and I love that about him. Uh, my group, Dust Bowl Revival, will be on the road a bit in December, playing some California shows. Yes, Morro Bay, December 10th at the Siren, then uh, going up the coast to San Francisco, playing the Chapel on December 11th, and uh, December 16th, back at Pappy and Harriet's in Pioneer Town, out in Joshua Tree. Please take a road trip and join us for that. And if you are in L.A. or anywhere in the world, really, and you still listen to great indie rock radio, you can hear my new show, The Sway Out West Radio Hour. Yes, every Sunday at 7 a.m. We tried it out for the first time last week. We're coming back. If you go to thesocalsound.org, you can stream it from uh, anywhere on Earth. As always, the show on the road is written, produced, and edited by yours truly, Zach Lupiton, and we are a part of the BGS Podcast Network. We have some cool episodes coming up, including my talk with Trampled by Turtles, the wonderful artist Ondara, and my talk with Adrian Casada of Black Pumas. So please, subscribe, tell your friends, a lot of cool stuff is on the way. Okay, that's it for me. Take it out, Jim. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. 
from Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal, the man, to Fat Mike from No Effects and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media. <laughs> 